All right, you guys, we are rolling into another episode of Return. And today we are going to continue some of the themes that we started last week, which we were talking about the signs of the times. And we want to focus in on the positive trends that we see. Um, and I think you're going to be really encouraged by this one. So jump in with us. we are going to be looking at the positive trends that uh, we see in scripture of things that we know are going to happen um, for the good or just ways that we see the Holy Spirit working and moving things that uh, Jesus is doing both within the church and in the nations and this one is really encouraging just because the Bible has a lot to say about you know, some positive things that we're going to see take place. And um, it's just really encouraging because it's easy to kind of have a doom and gloom mindset related to Jesus's return. And it's easy even to focus more on the negative things. Um, but I think something that's really helpful is for every negative thing that's going to take place, the good, the positive, and the glorious is going to be that much better and that much just more encouraging. And we have verses that that talk about that, um, and, and we want to get into some of those. But I think just to begin with, I was wondering maybe if you could explain just briefly what our viewpoint uh, of the end times is, the historic premillennialism, and just breaking it down specifically yeah. the victorious church part. Yeah, so we believe us and the majority of the teachers in the in the church for the last two thousand years, the majority we believe that we are going to um, we're going to see the return of Jesus, and then the millennial kingdom, a literal kingdom on the earth, which is called premillennialism, which is that Jesus comes before the millennial kingdom, and the millennial kingdom is literal. And then we literal thousand years, a literal thousand years with a literal God on the earth in the literal Jerusalem for a thousand years. And then that we believe also that we're going to be rapture caught up on the earth at the end of the great tribulation. So we are post tribulational premillennialist. And so what does that mean that we 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 believe that we're going to be during the great tribulation before jesus comes back in the greatest revival and victory ever mm -hmm. jesus said in matthew 24 i think it's 21 22 that this that generation the last one will be the most difficult one ever because the nations will be shaken like never before that's in daniel 12 verse 1 and 2 it says that there, there's never been a time in history like this one but that doesn't mean that we we don't have hope. We actually believe that all the fulfillment of the prophecies and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be in its fullness. Yeah. So both great and terrible. Yeah. So that's what we believe. That's how we can break it down in a very easy way. That's how I'm going to explain it to our daughter. So that's, there you yeah. go. And the reason why I wanted to like even start out with that is we usually add on this caveat, this caveat that says, it's historic premillennialism with the victorious church. 
that emphasizes the fact that the church really will be walking in victory. And, and I actually even like to say it's more that we're an overcoming church, that we overcome not just in, you know, having the ability to walk in power and, and bring deliverance to people and multiply food. And there is going to be that absolutely walking in signs and wonders in yeah. the way that the early apostles did in the church. But more than that, I love that there's this verse in Revelation 13, 8. And um, Revelation 13 talks about the Antichrist. But it says specifically that the whole earth will worship him, the Antichrist, except for those whose names are written in the book of life, whom the, la the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth purchased. And I love that, that victory and overcoming for the church in the end times is so much more than just walking in power. Victory for the church means we actually overcome the Antichrist. We actually overcome in the way that the whole earth is in deception, but we're able to overcome because of the blood of the lamb, because of what he's purchased us from. And more than that, we're walking in just fiery love for Jesus, walking in victory in areas in our hearts, what the cross has purchased for us. We get yeah. to just walk in the fullness of that, which is available to us today, but we're going to be seeing the church across the globe walking in the fullness of that in a way that we haven't yet seen in the earth. Yeah, and believing differently, uh, it's very Hollywood uh, style that we kill the enemy, right? The end, uh, we overcome doesn't mean that someone kills the Antichrist. It means that we, our love for Jesus, it's in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it's Song of Solomon 8, the many waters will not quench this love. Yeah. That's the point, because even in Hosea chapter 14, uh, Jesus says that he, he destroys death. Mm -hmm. He says, death, I will be your death. So, it, so the point is not to not die, but the point is to last faithful until the end of our days. Yeah. Whatever we're raptured or not in that moment, it doesn't matter. I want to be faithful until the end, because life starts after death completely. Yeah. So... I think that that's what victorious church we have to have that picture is not to yeah we're not gonna beat up the enemies of the cross we're gonna we're gonna pray for them we're gonna end up loving them giving our lives for our enemies that's the point that's the victory it's not i'm gonna get rich and the antichrist won't won't touch my finances i end up super wealthy and that that's not victorious church is like oh not in my city no is that if even if you lose everything, you you lose nothing. Yeah, that's the point of Victorious Church, and uh, we have to be confronted by the Bible. I am confronted by the Bible that over and over again, that my definition of victory is very Hollywood oriented. Yeah, and self righteousness instead of like the cross and resurrection. Well, I think that's the thing is we look at the cross and we see it as Jesus's victory, and yet I mean seeing it hindsight it's like oh the victory of the cross but the thing is is jesus had to undergo real suffering real yeah. scourging a real death but the victory that he gained through it he overcame death he's the first man with a resurrected body not just the first man to get raised from the dead because lazarus was raised from the dead plenty of others but he's the first man with a resurrected body 
who would never again taste death. And that's the victory that we are going to walk in as the church and the victory of being an equally yoked bride. And so that's, that's kind of the bigger picture, but I want to just touch on some specifics. So what are specific trends that we're going to see happen, positive ones that we're going to see happen uh, before the Lord returns? So we'll, we'll try to hit these kind of one, two, three, and maybe we'll take a little bit more time on some than others. But a big one is the fact that the gospel is going to be preached in all of the earth before Jesus returns. And we yeah. kind of touched on that a little bit in the last yeah, episode. Right. But uh, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations and then the end will come. And the crazy thing, you guys, is just the statistics that we have right now from leading missions organizations in the world is incredible. It's amazing. Because uh, I think it was in 2008, 2009, there were 14,000 unreached people groups uh, that obviously needed both the Bible in their language and they needed a witness of the gospel. 14,000, and that's uh, 500 people or more in those groups. Well, they had estimated back in, I can't remember what year it was, it was 2008 or 2009, that by the year 2020, they would reach all those people groups. Well, as of May of this past year, so May 2019, we only have 263 of those people groups left to reach, which means by next year, it is very, very possible and likely, and I mean, it's scheduled, it's on track to happen that every people group, every ethnic group, because that's what that Greek word nations means, it's ethnos. So every ethnic group will have the Bible or at least a part of the Bible translated in their language and with a witness of of the gospel. That's great, yeah. So just the fact that that verse is so clear as well, saying the gospel is going to be preached in all of the earth and then the end will come. I just want to like zoom back for a second and say, like this is a massive sign because this is the first time in history where this is even possible like due to technology due to globalization and the fact that we really can reach languages in ways that was impossible 30 years ago this is the first time in the history of the earth and in since you know jesus ascended that the great commission can actually be fulfilled and that is huge yeah we we as Christians sometimes uh, and do do that uh, test just for fun. Ask people what are the signs of the times of the the coming of Jesus. Most people will tell you five negative, probably one positive, without verses. And my point is not to say, oh, we know more than them. That's not the point. The point is that most of the time we don't know about the signs of the times. And if we know them, we know the negative ones, which are not even biblical. But these positives, one that we're just naming, we need to dwell on this. This should be our prayer list. And just the fact that even if it is not 2020, even if it's 2023, it's like three, four years from now, we are going to be the only generation ever that will have this gospel of the kingdom preached. Like, that is, I don't even understand that. No, it's massive. And, and is due to the effort of and the blood of many missionaries too and churches small churches sending missionaries and giving one step sometimes three steps back one step further further and 
and it's been the blood and the sweat of the saints with the Holy Spirit in little meetings, one by one. No revivals, not big things, no one know about it, but it's little one-on-ones, people discipling, you know, that, I don't know, whatever, whoever in the store for two or three years without yeah. any result, but then God shows to them. Anyway, so uh, all of these signs, we want to know them. Number two, we need to pray for them. And number three, we need to see the connection with our little efforts today. Yeah. How they all are piling up towards that. But, yeah. So that, that, those are my thoughts. But what, are, what is another one? Well, I mean, speaking of the gospel of the kingdom being a witness in every place, a massive sign of the time is the salvation of Israel. And actually, maybe you want to unfold this one a little bit. Yeah, so the salvation of Israel. We won't see that completely until Jesus comes back. We have Zechariah 12, verse 10. Then when Jesus appears to them after he kills the Antichrist and the armies of those who receive the mark of the beast, at the end of the seventh year, of like the last year of history, before Jesus comes back, he shows himself to them and says, the Bible says, that they receive a spirit of grace and supplication and prayer, and they start weeping for him who they pierced, like you will, uh, you know, mourn for a firstborn who died. So basically, they catch up of 2,000 years of no mourning for Jesus mm -hmm. in one day, and then all Israel is saved by the spirit of revelation, and they are born again, all of the nations. So, so right now, we see a massive aliyah, which is people coming from latin america even africa the yeah. documentary or the movie we were watching yesterday which is amazing about um all of these um jews from ethiopia that are trying to do this pro procession towards jerusalem so my point is we see this massive exodus from the nations to go back to the land mm -hmm. and it's something that transcends cultures it's something that every Jew on the earth is feeling inside of them. Like, I need to go back to my land. Yeah. And I've seen videos when they come for the first time to Israel and they start weeping like they feel at home. And it's this nostalgia plus the divine hand of God. They're all coming back to Israel. Not everyone, but many are coming like never before. And this is part of the setup of the Lord because there's going to be great trouble, great revival, Great tribulation, great salvation, all happening in the last three and a half years of history. Yeah. But the Lord says that all Israel will be saved and that he will not come back until they said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah. So we are in the middle of this setup. And again, this is, this is the only generation in which this is possible mm -hmm. that that it could happen in the next 20 years 15 years 10 years i don't know well actually and with all of these trends kind of this is a premise that we have is that all of these trends are happening in some degree right now or they're available to us right now and they are happening but it's only going to increase until it reaches the fullness of when it happens um, when jesus returns and uh salvation of israel is a a perfect example of this because what actually we are seeing is not only are people returning to the land we're seeing even in israel s testimonies of salvation like there's this website if you want to just go be encouraged i'm pretty sure it's called oneforisrael.com and it's just these testimonies of jews that are meeting jesus as messiah and they're just giving their testimonies of how they encountered him mm -hmm. um right now in israel there's over 120 messianic congregations which is massive. 
you know, there are, yeah, Jews just meeting Jesus uh, in the nations and in the land. But also I think there's an awakening toward Israel, specifically within the church and the fact that the church will need to stand with Israel. And even something that Benji and I have felt really strongly called to, and we've talked about it in some previous episodes, but just calling the church, calling believers to get a biblical perspective of Israel and to pray for Israel and to know God's heart towards his people. And that's something that we really are seeing explode and happen. I mean, like we get messages from all over from Mexico and Argentina and people in Canada and just Singapore, like people literally all over the earth who are moved by God's heart for Israel, by what he's doing, by things that they see in the Bible. And all of this is part of the bigger storyline of what God is doing related to Israel, that one day they will receive, as a nation, they will receive uh, salvation in fullness. But right now we really are seeing people come to the Lord, which is yeah. amazing and is another sign of the time. So, And that's the ultimate uh, definition of being a friend of the bridegroom is to stand with the bridegroom for Israel, ultimately, yeah. for the church, but ultimately for Israel. Yeah. So uh, we see that in Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7, a promise slash prophecy from God to Jerusalem, unsafe Jews in the end of the age. He said, I am committed to you and I'm burning for you, 62, verse 1. Therefore, verse 6 and 7, I am going to set watchmen on your walls and the word set means supernatural strength supernatural finances supernatural calling people like like us that i mean who likes to pray as an occupation it has to be the lord supernaturally just setting you apart given the finances given the provision given the and we see thousands and thousands of people around the globe having this desire to say, I want to pray as my occupation. And God is saying, yes, right now you're praying for your city. You're praying for, but little by little, the Lord is going to start turning the spiritual bazookas to Israel because it is a prophecy and it's a promise. It's like a wedding gift to Israel in the end of the age that he will set watchmen or intercessors. So we see that together. Yeah. And two verses really quick uh, before we move on to the next one. Isaiah 40 is so clear because it's for the body of Christ, for forerunner messengers to speak comfort to Israel in the midst of her suffering. And then another one is Jeremiah 31, 7. There's actually a command from the Lord to sing to Israel and to proclaim as like a prophetic declaration saying that the Lord will save the remnant of Israel. So those are some verses that you can go look at on your own. Okay, the next sign, because we got to keep working through these. The church walking in unity. Uh, This one we'll just touch really quick, but we see the prayer of Jesus in John 17 that he says, Father, I desire that those who you've given me would be with me where I am, that they would be made perfect in one. Um, Essentially, Jesus is going to fulfill the prayer that that he asked the father or the father's going to prepare or fulfill the prayer that jesus asked of him and um the church is walking in greater unity i think in ways that we've 
uh, haven't seen even since the Reformation. Um, we actually recently heard uh, from a good friend of ours in the missions movement about how there's over 2,000 just top leaders across the body of Christ and all the nations that are coming together to have uh, 2020 be the year of the Bible, which starts out the decade of the Bible, which is really just to exalt the word of God within churches, within congregations again. So we are seeing the church walk in greater unity and we will yet see the church walk in greater unity. So that is another positive sign of the times. Maybe you can hit on the next one, which we kind of talked about a little bit. Yeah, the prayer and worship movement is amazing. 30 years ago, for what my parents told me, I was three years old, playing the electric guitar <laughs> was considered to be from the devil. Playing drums was like you were borderline, uh, you know, touching heresy. <laughs> so uh, boys and girls, you know, men and women on one side of the church and whatever, there's still people that do that. And But just the advancement of worship and sounds and music we haven't even touched the beginning of when this is going where this is going because unfortunately many of the musicians in the church were just listening to some of the tracks recently and they're copycats of of the world and it's it's okay i'm not saying that's demonic or anything i'm just saying right now the church is looking at the sounds of the world and they are copying some styles and whatever but there's coming a day when this worship movement grows to the point that we are joined with the heavenly realm. And when we take the leadership to the point that it says that even the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they can learn the song of the, of the church on the earth. That's when we're going to start touching the creativity of the throne room of God, not just creativity because we went to a, a a concert, a secular concert, and we got like ideas watching TV or YouTube is going to be people touching God, which is filled with instruments. Sophaniah 3.14 says that he sings songs of freedom and surrounds his church and then uh, with songs of freedom. So the worship movement has, has, has been exploding, but where we are going, according to the Bible, is to a point when we're going to start listening to the songs of God and we're going to start echoing those songs on the earth and it's going to bring massive deliverance, multiplication yeah. of food, peace in the middle of storm, healing against cancer. Like we're going to, and we're going to do it as we sing, happily singing victory songs, singing Jesus' names yeah. on the Bible, revelation coming out of our, you know, again, the book of Revelation is very clear that there's a moment in history before Jesus comes back that the church takes leadership even in the heavenly realm on the earth uh, related to worship. So if the four living creatures and the 24 elders are releasing light with every declaration of who God is, and that's how they rule the galaxy, mm. how much more us when we start touching that realm? It's going to get amazing. It, I think is the only way to counterpart the and, and resist the worship movement of the Antichrist. Yeah. Which is going to come and they're all going to say, like, who's like the beast? So has uh, been some uh, a couple that have is connected with some countries in the earth. It is amazing 
how many churches are doing their houses of prayer and trying to to sing their own songs yeah. to Jesus and and they don't care about doing records or being famous they care about touching heaven and releasing it on earth well and the main thing is like it's worship and prayer mixed together and so it's the explosion of the prayer movement as well but we see in revelation 5 that it's it's the harp and the bowl it's worship being harp the bowl being incense filled with the prayers of the saints coming together being poured out and like you were saying there's one generation in which the incense and those bowls get full and I mean, we could go off on this for so long because literally there's like a paragraph of verses. If you have them all just typed out, there's like a paragraph of verses that talk about the end time prayer and worship movement. And I will um, I will say this really quick. Uh, Again, this was the same um, gathering in which I mentioned earlier of the uh, leaders coming together to talk about, you know, bringing the, the gospel to all the different people groups. Well, around the same time frame, 2008, 2009, uh, how many, it was 55,000 leaders committed to start 1.5 million houses of prayer and to have them going by the end of uh, 2020. That's insane. Guys, so much stuff is happening in in 2020. It's mind-blowing. It's amazing. But 55,000 leaders committed back in 2008, 2009, that by the end of 2020, there would be 1.5 million houses of prayer, new ones. Because I'll say this, back in 1984, the amount of 24-7 houses of prayer, there was less than 25 in the earth. As of 2016, there's more than 20,000, 24-7 houses of prayer. So just, just in simple statistics like that, seeing the prayer and worship movement is exploding. And the reason why I want to just say house of prayer is part of it is part of what Jesus tells us is that the church is going to be functioning in her identity as the house of prayer before he returns. There's some things, you know, it's not that we do house of prayer. It's that we are corporately as the body of Christ. We are a house of prayer. We function as intercessors before the Lord, as mediators between God and people. And so this is some of what we're going to see the earth functioning in. And I'll give you another verse really quick. Luke 18 is a massive one. Just the first few verses of Luke 18. The Lord says, will not the elect who cry out to him night and day, will he not avenge those who cry out to him night and day? And it says he will and he'll come speedily. And so just the fact that he says that there is night and day prayer movement before he comes, uh, is one of the many, many verses that talk about that. Mm-hmm. So we're, last one. we're getting down. Yeah, maybe the last one for this episode because there's so many and we could just keep going we'll on and on two. about it. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a part two. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Acts 2, Joel 2, you take this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't even understand the fullness of it. I just know that all throughout the book of Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit behind the scenes. It's amazing. We, you never see the Holy Spirit mentioned but twice in the whole 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. But we see every single time that the church sings, that the church is united with heaven, that the church is overcoming the Antichrist or dying for the sake of the gospel with a smile in their faces. It's impossible if the Holy Spirit is not in them. 
And we know that because at the end, chapter 22, verse 17 says, then the spirit and the bride says, say, come. Mm -hmm. It's it's a promise, but it's also like a and this is why this whole book of Revelation, this is why she was ready. This is why she endured, because the spirit was in the bride crying out for the bridegroom to come. If not, we will not desire him. You and I, we can desire Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. Is th this lovesickness without the fullness of him? It doesn't make sense. It's impossible to reach. So the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. Yeah, signed. I'm more and more impacted by endurance than signs and wonders. I love signs and wonders, mm -hmm. but when you put them in the balance of what, what the Bible values, endurance is in top, mm -hmm. top one. Like your heart expanded, loving Jesus, loving your Whole enemies, yeah. wholehearted, like no, integrity. And you know, it's, that's amazing. And signs and wonders. But uh, so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, is a subject in itself. Yeah. But it's happening. It's happening. And even it's happening with other denominations that didn't even believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God is God is releasing them. And now they have to be challenging their own theology, some of them, because it's happening. There's no way to deny it. Yeah. And we have just the clear passages that says, it will come to pass in the last days that I yeah. will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your uh, old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. He's going to do signs and wonders. We know the church is going to, I mean, because like you said, we don't want to discount miracles. We just want, we want the element of the Holy Spirit helping us and in, in our hearts overcoming while at the same time walking in what Jesus promised us, we would walk in greater works than these. So we're going to see the church walking in signs and wonders, in miracles, things that happened like in the Exodus. Uh, we'll see them again in a larger scale uh, in the church. We're going to have two witnesses. I mean, that's a massive pause. That's more like kind of a v event. Man, you guys, the two witnesses. It's awesome. The Lord says that we're going to have either Elijah or the spirit of Elijah come upon us that will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So there's so many things caught up in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and with that comes the Holy Spirit is going to establish the first commandment in first place. That that's the big one. That's the big one. Yeah. yeah. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, like Benji said, the fact that we're crying out at the end, come Lord Jesus. It's the spirit and the bride, the bride whose heart is wholehearted in, in love with Jesus. We're going to be walking in righteousness and purity. Daniel 11, talks about there's going to be people who understand, who are going to be refined and purified and made white, that for ages we're going to shine like the brightness of the stars. So walking in righteousness, purity. We talked about the bridal paradigm. I'm throwing all of these in and last minute. <laughs> and we'll just leave it there and plan to probably talk about this throughout other episodes. But um, maybe next one we're going to actually unfold some of the negative trends that we'll see. But I hope that you walk away from this really encouraged and also provoked to study it out more for yourself. There are so many verses on this, so many places in scripture where it gives details on this, 
which is really encouraging for us to know, for us to pray, for us to see and believe and take up, take them to the bank. So, um, yeah, I just pray that you are encouraged and hungry to jump in for more. And we will plan on seeing you guys here next time.